Welcome to Mindfulness Coaching for Female Minority Physicians. I'm your host, Sogol Palawan, MD, aka Dr. Sogol. This is a podcast for female minority physicians that are ready to embark on an inner journey of self-fulfillment, to find joy by connecting to the present moment. In this podcast, you will learn to fully take back responsibility of your life by reclaiming your power and committing to being your most authentic self. Let's get started. wanted to share my story as a Iranian American a little bit more in details with all the protests and situation that's going on in Iran. I was there till 10 and I have very fond memories of Iran. I actually share with my children all the time because back in the days, just like 40 years ago, lived in communities and we were not as isolated and segregated. So the kids that went to school would go to school and school was till I want to say noon or one. It wasn't that long. And we would connect with the kids at school and then I would walk home which was about two streets away with my friends and to my grandma's house we stayed there for about two years before we immigrated and so I had a very 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 happy memories from my childhood my grandma used to make me sandwiches and we would have a recess and eat our sandwiches and play and then walk home, drop our backpack off, and literally be in the streets or in the neighborhood. We had about four other friends and family that lived in the same street. So we'd drop our backpacks off and just hang out either in the streets or at their house. And I was a complete tomboy. So I was always playing with the boys and trying to lead them into uh, different games that we used to play, which was... Um, Lele, which is hopscotch, and Estop Hawaii, which was like this game when you threw the ball in the air and everybody tried to run away from it and one person would catch it and then we would say stop and then you would have to, whoever was closest to the person that caught it had a higher chance of getting hit because that person could hit them with the ball. Anyways, Estop Hawaii and Ayam Mushak, hide and go see, we did that a lot and just just play, just play outside, just and, and fight and, and and laugh and cry. So those were my memories of Iran. And then I was, and then I immigrated to the U.S. So I wanted to, so I had fond memories of what Iran looked like, right? I didn't grow up there as a preteen. I left before puberty, which is very significant. And I only studied there till third grade, which don't think back then we studied the Quran or religion as much in the earlier years of your of my studies. I don't remember, but I don't I, I just remember a lot of writing and essays and math. So then I came here and y'all know the rest of the stories and then I, I got married. I My husband's Iranian. He is also a first-generation immigrant. He actually immigrated here when he was 13 without his family, only his brother. So he was raised in a home of 
for boys ranging from the age of 18 to 13. So y'all can just imagine how that went. And so, yeah, we got married and we have three kids. And so I really felt like it was important to to introduce to to introduce my culture, our culture to our kids and familiarize them with the Iranian culture because I had again really fond memories of the culture. Nothing with religion and I'm not saying anything against religion. I just we were in a religious family so it, it, I'm talking more about the Iranian culture in this podcast rather than is Islam good, is religion good, is it bad? It, it, I'm not having that conversation. I'm very spiritual so I think there is a God, which is a higher power, universe, whatever you want to call it, and is and be good, do good. It is my religion. So we decided when we had kids that we would we would try to keep that connection to e, to Iran, and um, we have a big family here. So in America, we got involved in Sunday school, and my mom was principal of the Sunday school. So the kids were excited about going there, learn to uh, try to learn to read and write and spoke with them in Farsi. And then as they got a little bit older, we thought it would be a great idea to take them to Iran to immerse them in the culture. So I was in, I am or was in private practice. So I, my sister was gracious enough to allow us to take a month off or alternate, you know, those times off in the summer. So I could take the family there for a month. And we did. And the kids were probably the youngest was four, six and eight is when we started. And we bought an apartment in Iran right by walking distance from my aunt. I have two aunts left in Iran and an uncle. So my mom's side of the family is there. My dad's side of the family is here. And I have two cousins, twins, that I'm really close to. So we bought an apartment there next to their house because I wanted them to be close because the traffic is insanity in Iran. And Iran's like Houston. It's huge. And then we found a little daycare walking distance down the street from my our apartment. And the goal was to enroll the kids in uh, daycare. And so they would be immersed in the language and the food and the culture and just be with other people. And it was amazing. They loved it. Um, Iranian people are the most hospitable people. Um, from the gentleman that guarded the door to the principal of the daycare to the teachers to the to to the women that brought in the food, everyone. There was just so much love and the kids felt that. And the kids got to know my cousins and we have one set of grandparents, my husband's parents that are in Iran. So they got to know them. They got to visit Esfahan, see all the amazing architectural architecture and even the religion and the art. 
and the craftsmanship of the bazaar and the and the mosques and um, the Shah the Shah's palace. So we introduced him to that, and we did that for a consistent five years. So until my daughter, oldest daughter, was twelve. So she was twelve. Middle one was ten, and youngest one was eight or nine somewhere, or maybe she was thirteen. I think it was like eighth grade, or maybe she was fourteen. It was eighth grade. So. They graduated the daycare. So after that, we found something called, I guess the equivalent to it, it's like a country club, right? It was like a, a boshka is what they call it. So they had like the sports and gymnastics and basketball and tennis, which is what they were involved with. And so um, we enrolled them in that because they had kind of phased out of the daycare. And I will say at that point, they were preteens, right? They were preteens. And so some of the social differences came up. There was a lot of judgment again. So you're Amrikaini, you're from America. So you're privileged or so they sensed it. They sensed it. And actually my son stopped going. He's like, I'm not going. I'm not comfortable. My two daughters went. The the little one, which speaks the less Farsi, it was, and she's super social. So she loves to talk, was a little bit more hesitant to going because she said, you know, I don't, I understand what they say, but I can't communicate back. And it makes me really frustrated, but she actually found a girl that speaks English there. So she made friends with her. And for one month of the summer that we were there, she just spoke English, completely defeated the purpose of me putting her there. But anyways, that was that. And my son didn't go. And my oldest daughter, she just has really thick skin. So she said, I don't care what they say. I'm going to go. And and she had, she liked activities and she had fun. But what happened is that last year that we were there, so we went back that last year, it was pre-COVID, a year pre-COVID, so it was probably 2018, because after that year, my oldest daughter refused to go. That's what I want to share with you all today. And after we came back, when we were heading back from our last trip there in 2018, and she was say 13 she's 13 so she was gosh yeah she was wearing a hijab hijab? yeah she was wearing a hijab she was wearing a hijab yeah yeah yeah. my little one wasn't but she was wearing a hijab and I you know we got her tennis lesson her love is in tennis and we got her private tennis lessons we did everything that you know we took her to she loves food and so we took her to her favorite restaurants and where and she just she wasn't at ease. I could see that she didn't hold the same love and the same enthusiasm that she did in the previous years. And I couldn't understand. So I just said, okay, well, maybe she's a teenager. And you know how teens are. They just, they want to be with their friends and there's no Snapchat in Iran and they want to, they don't want to be somewhere that's out of their comfort zone. And that's what I left it up to. And it got so bad to the point where we, when we go to Iran, we fly to Turkey. And then from Turkey, we fly back to the U.S. And when we went to Turkey, she had so much rage and so much anger inside of her where she was like, I want to burn my Iranian passport. We're dual citizens. And so, of course, that upset us, right? As parents, we retaliate. You get defensive. and like, oh, how dare you? I sacrificed so much and I took off so much time, blah, blah, blah. So it was like I was absorbed in myself. But what I didn't pause to understand is like, what is she feeling? Why does she have so much anger and rage against Iran, right? I didn't know. I didn't know who. I just said, okay, against Iran, against Tehran. And I, I took it personally. Like, oh, my family's so nice. They didn't do anything. You ungrateful brat. American brat, right? But with the 
uprisings in Iran. So I'm just going to tell you super fast what happened for the people that aren't following the news is after the revolution, there's no separation between state and church, right? So it's an Islamic republic. So everything's based on Islam. And so there are very, uh, most of the rulers are very fundamentalist. Islamic uh, leaders. So as far as the dress code, you have to cover yourself up, right? Pants, uh, it, 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 nothing can be tied, a long mantle, and you have to have a hijab. And that's just for all women, not men, obviously. And you have to cover your hair. And so there's like these morality police that go around. And if you don't have your hair covered, they like either give you a warning or take you down to wherever the, the police station. And so there was this 22-year-old Masa Amini that came from Kurdistan, not even from Tehran, which is a province of Tehran, was visiting Tehran. And she was walking around and the morality police came and said, hey, your hair is showing. Uh, I don't know all the details, but they took her in against her will. And something happened. We don't know what the events are, but she ended up having brain injury and then essentially going to the hospital and dying. And so she died. And so there, and that, that started the protest in Iran against, against the morality police. And, and, and what's so fascinating is that the people that are out in the streets that have the loudest voices are Gen XYZ, right? They're the, the, the deaths that have happened with people going out into the streets are are women under the age of 30, mostly. So they are in their early teens, right? Or, or early 20s that are just fed up. They're fed up. And, and it, this isn't about should you wear a hijab or should you not wear a hijab or Islam says this and Islam's wrong or Islam's right. This is about freedom of choice. This is about women's rights. This is about I choose what I want to wear. I choose what I want to say. I choose to show up as myself. And as you have listened to my podcast and I talk a lot about um, authenticity and alignment and congruency and being able to speak your voice, being able to have a voice, being able to express yourself, whether it's through your voice, through your art, through your dance, through your writing, through your blogging, through your podcasting, whatever you choose that creative outlet to be. And sometimes it's through dressing, sometimes through your fashion, sometimes it's through your art on your body, like tattoos, sometimes through art on your body, like piercing, whatever that creativity outlet is for you. It's about expression. And where does expression Expression comes from expression comes from your desire. Your desire comes from your soul, right? That deep calling within your soul. And so the biggest, the big, the bigger picture in this is that we, us women, are being oppressed. We are being suppressed. Our so, and even if you take them the concrete physical form of the woman out and you say our human soul is being suffocated okay that is where this uprising is coming from these women and probably men in different ways want to express themselves in particular ways and they are not allowed to 
okay? So it's taking someone's human rights away, the right of expression, the right of freedom. So imagine if your soul is like a tangible thing that you can see and it has a mouth and it has a, a form and you are basically muzzled with a tape over your mouth with your eyes shut and your hands chained behind your back and your head covered that is how these women's souls feel and imagine living with that for if you're older 40 years if you're younger 30 years 20 years 15 years not being able to express what you need and your expression isn't anything out of the norm your expression could be as simple as my I'd like to have blonde hair and style it once in a while I'd like to put lipstick on these are not these are not expressions that that you know are wrong or right they're just feelings and desires that come from that soul so that is what women, uh, children, uh, teens, uh, youth, uh, men, uh, senior citizens are fighting for is the expression, is the freedom to be allowed to, to do what your soul desires. So if you go back to my daughter and you really reflect on where her anger came from and where her like it was it was beyond anger it was like complete like rejection right rejection from deep within her like she when she talked about Iran she just had this rage and as she's gotten older and I've spoken to her about it she keeps saying I don't understand why I have to put a hijab on when I go to Iran. I don't understand why women have to do that, but men can walk around with short sleeves and we go in the summer, so it's pretty hot. We have to cover up in the heat and suffer. I don't understand why women are treated differently than men. And for her, because she lives in a country where there is more freedom of expression, I'm not saying America's better, I'm saying there is more freedom of expression. And she's grown up here with the choice, right, to do what she wants with some boundaries. She, when she goes back to a society where she's boxed in, where she's suffocated, when she's muted, where she's covered, her soul completely rejects it. It, it, it has like a violent reaction towards it, right? She, and that's where the rage is coming from. This rage of like, set me free. Like, don't bound me. Don't chain me. This doesn't make sense. And this is where the energy is coming from for this uprising is these young women in Iran are like, set me free. I'm tired of this. I don't want to live in pain. I don't want to live in a prison. I don't want to live in suffering. I want to be able to express myself however I want to express myself, whatever way that is that I want to express myself. So that is, to me, analysis by Dr. Tobol. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. This is, this is, I am not political. I, you know, I know, I don't know much about Islam. I don't know much about religion. What I do know that I've been doing on myself for the last two years is that if as a human soul, if you 
are feel suffocated, if you feel imprisoned, if you feel like you can't express who your true authentic self is because of either society or religion or judgment or rejection or family or whatever that reason is, you will suffer and you will suffer in silence and people will suffer in silence until they won't, until they can't until there is an end, until they are willing to give up their life to free others. And this is what this movement is showing us. So how I want to bring it back to how this affects your lives in America is that you, we in America do not have to wear a hijab, but we're all wearing covering. We're all wearing draped with this invisible cloth, with this invisible barrier to where we're hiding in some aspects of our lives or maybe in all aspects of lives, our true self, our true soul that wants to be expressed. Some of us are hiding in marriages that we're not we're not happy anymore. Some of us are hiding in relationships that we're not happy anymore. Some of us are hiding in careers that are crushing our souls, that are not aligned with what we want. Maybe that marriage was once aligned with what you needed. Maybe that friendship was once aligned with what you needed. Maybe that career was once aligned with what you needed. But I give you the permission to allow yourself to change Because you're a human being, you're fluid, you flow. The feminine divine flows. You're not rigid, right? You're not a robot. You can't be programmed. And I challenge you to look within you and ask yourself, what and where is that hijab that you are wearing? What area of your life Are you covering yourself? Are you holding yourself back? Are you not showing up as your true self because of fear, because of oppression, because of the status quo, because of suppression, because of trauma? That's what I want to leave with you today. And please, the biggest thing that you can do to support this, these protests that are happening in Iran is just social media. There's no internet in Iran. So if you follow me and just share, you don't even have to comment, share, share what I have to share. And I'm sharing everybody else's voice and we keep this momentum going. And we fight for humanity. We fight to free our souls. We fight for not just the women in Iran, but, but just not even just women, just humans. We fight for freedom. Thank you so much. Are you ready to connect with your authentic self and transform your life with mindful living? Email me at palabonsogol at gmail.com to set up a discovery call for your mindfulness coaching. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to learn more tools and resources. See you all next week.